All right, what's going on? This is the first episode of 2020. Um, hope everybody had a good holiday. Hope everybody had a good Christmas, um, good New Year's. Actually, this is gonna no, this is air after New Year's. Yeah, my bad. I'm fucking fucking up. I'm doing this prior to going out of town for New Year's, so I'm a little fucked up on my my dates and shit. Um, but I wanted to get this podcast up and running um, before I go out of town, so that's why I'm doing this beforehand. Usually, I'll do like a recap of the week. But um, because of the fact that I'm not going to be in town, I wanted to get this done so I'm not fucking around with it while I'm trying to, you know, get drunk with my friends and hang out with my mom and shit while I'm on vacation. So, anywho, um, hopefully everybody had a great um, holidays. It's, you know, like I said, it's the new year. um, So hopefully you have a new attitude. You set some goals for this year and you're ready to start the year off right. Um, This week on the show... We've got our first guest who'd like to remain anonymous. Um, we talk a little bit, well, not a little bit, we'll talk a lot about psilocybin mushrooms. So if you don't know what psilocybin mushrooms are, uh, it's also known as magic mushrooms. Um, you eat them, they make you hallucinate. Uh, story as old as time. So everybody knows kind of a little bit about them. If you have it, if you don't know, you know, what they do or how they function, all that stuff, this is the podcast for you. So we wanted to try to keep it informative. So if you're not into learning about fungi and psilocybin, and all that stuff might not be the episode for you, but we tried to keep it light so that everybody could listen and kind of get informed on it. So I'm hoping that um, it's going to be a good one for everybody with the legalization right around the corner. We talked about that. Um, and not right around the corner, but you know, they've got a few different cities and stuff in the U S that have decriminalized. So we're, you know, a little ways away from decriminalizing it, but, um, you know, it's one of those things that since it's right around the corner, I figured we'd get the conversation kind of going about it now. Um, and I'm uh, somebody who's been, been a user of psilocybin for a long time. So Without further ado, um, this is not a podcast about magic mushrooms. It's the Itty Bitty Podcast. It's anything but, and it starts now. Welcome to the Itty Bitty Podcast. Oh, oh. it's the Itty Bitty Podcast. So, welcome to the Itty Bitty Podcast. It's a new year, a new episode. My guest this week, um, let's just call him Dimitri. We're going to talk about something that's pretty near and dear to my heart. Um, I've been an active user of psilocybin mushrooms for a long time. Um, And so, we're going to talk a little bit about um, psilocybin today. So, Dimitri, why don't you tell everybody kind of what your background in you know, magic mushrooms or psilocybin um, is. Yeah, sure. So first off, thanks for having me. Uh, I do love your show. Um, and, uh, and you know, to give you a little bit more background, I'm a, a mid-30s professional. Um, my, my experience with psilocybin Mushrooms started like many of our many like many of us did in college. Um, you know, not really having much education, but just trying to eat mushrooms uh, for lack of a better way of putting it, get fucked up. And you know, it wasn't until I want to say I, I in college I I probably took psilocybin mushrooms in the mushroom form. Um, <clears throat> at least seven, eight times, um, had, I would say of the seven times, if, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, five of those times were some of the best times of my life. Two of them were the worst times of my life still to this day. Um, and then I didn't, I kind of really, I kind of took off of using any psilocybin for over 10 years until, uh, this past year, I was reintroduced to the psychedelic community, 
the, um, uh, you know, kind of going headfirst into dimethyltryptamine. Um, and then subsequently, I've, um, I've gone back into the psychedelic mushroom world with several doses in the last 12 months that were varying doses from micro doses to trip doses, concert doses. And I, I've recently begun to cultivate um, a small mycelium farm uh, in my house. So, um, so yeah, so that, that's, my, that's my experience as of now. Okay. And so, so did you said you said you took a brief, well, about 10 years off, you said, before you got back into it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it was, you know, a big part of why I took the time off was because I really like smoking cannabis. And um, after I had a couple of those really, just really horrific moments in college, I... I started noticing that any time I used cannabis, I would have a panic attack. So I went on this so, sort of six-month spiritual journey at the end of college to fix to fix my issue with cannabis because I wanted I I, I didn't want a, one bad trip on mushrooms to ruin my experience with cannabis forever. So I focused on that, and really since since that six-month uh, uh, journey towards, you know, re removing or re relieving myself from any kind of panic attacks that occurred with cannabis. Um, I just decided not to go back into psilocybin mushrooms at all. I didn't really at the time know of their healing powers or any, really any knowledge at all about the, the psychological and psychiatric research that had been done pre the 60 or during the 60s and before that. Um, and it was, I mean, I really, I really should, um, contribute my dimethyltryptamine use as what kind of put me back into the fray of learning the knowledge that is required to really use these compounds the right way and, um, and just have a much more open mind to it and have a bit of a bit of a stronger understanding of why I had a bad experience in the first place rather than just assuming that it was the way that I reacted from a drug rather than the way that a compound reacted to me at that exact moment in time. Now, that makes sense? Yes. Now, when you're saying bad trip, now there's, I, I know that there's some people who are going to be listening to this and they're not going to know what you're talking about as far as, you know, bad trip, good trip. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm fairly experienced as far as that goes. I've had my fair share of bad trips and good trips. Um, now, kind of explain what you would describe as a bad trip. Like what, what as far as what you feel like a bad trip would be, um, you know, kind of what, what you're feeling of that, how, how would you describe it? Yeah. So, I mean, first off, look, psilocybin, uh, psychedelic, uh, drugs altogether. They're not for everybody. I do think that it requires, um, a little bit of mental stability in the first place to really navigate through them and, and get what you want out of them. That said, there's, you know, there's obviously a lot of research being done about that um, and how much the set and setting really does impact the, the trip. But I, I would say for any, for any people out there that have ever experienced a panic attack, whether it's induced via anxiety or induced from some, something else um, or depression my my bad trips, my two bad trips were, you know, textbook anxiety attacks that lasted for several hours where my, my chest was, my, my, my heart felt like it was beating out of my chest. Um, I felt like I had done something wrong um, by by eating the mushrooms and that because of this, I was going to face significant consequences, whether they were physical or mental. And sometimes because of the knowledge that you have that this trip, that this experience might not go away anytime soon. 
if you're inexperienced enough, as I was when these bad trips happened, I wasn't sure if I was ever going to be normal again. And it was those thoughts in my mind that brought on this panic attack where I needed somebody to, you know, lay me down, wrap me up in a blanket, sit next to me, put on like South Park or something funny to just lighten up the mood. And then that really, that really healed the issue. But the, the feeling itself of having a bad trip, I think can come in many different forms. For me, it was a panic attack that, um, you know, that can only be described as I just thought everything in the world was going wrong and that I was going to be suffering from what was going wrong in the world for a long time. So I know this is going to sound kind of cliche and I know people say this all the time, but for me, I've never, I've had a, like a bad trip before and I've had, you know, amazing trips. Um, but I've never felt like it was like a bad thing. I, I know I've heard the, ter- the phrase like, you know, challenging trip. Um, right. It's, it's kind of sounds corny, but that's kind of the way that I, I view it. Um, I've had, now I don't know if you've ever, this is kind of early to get into this, this story, but, um, so this happened to me. I've been, I'll give you a little bit of background as to, you know, my mushroom usage. I've been taking mushrooms about, I, I try to do it every year. So the way I do it is once I can find them, I'll grab as much as I can, uh, allegedly, and then I'll just have that and I'll do them you know, every couple months I'll, I'll do, you know, if you, if you've never taken mushrooms, it's not something that you can take every day. It's not something you can easily abuse. Um, if you right. take an eighth today and you take an eighth tomorrow, there's a pretty good chance that eighth tomorrow is not going to do shit to you. Um, yeah. and so I had taken, we were out in the woods doing, you know, having a little trip and it had been a while since I had done them. So I might've done a little bit more than I should have. And I was smoking, um, concentrate. Now, my experience was this wasn't necessarily a bad trip or anything like that. We were having a great time. I right. felt uh, at a certain point later in the night, I felt my stomach start to turn. Um, my my throat dried up. I couldn't get any like food down. I was trying to drink water. I couldn't really vocalize what was going on, and nobody really seemed to like notice that I, anything was going on with me. Um, right. The next thing I remember, I was on the ground and everybody's just staring at me, trying to get me up off the ground. And I'm like, well, what happened? And they're like, well, right. I'm like, did I pass out in the fire? They're like, no. I'm like, did I have a seizure? They're like, no. I'm like, well, what happened? Why am I on the ground? They're like, you just wouldn't wake up. And instantly, so right before that, I felt like I was going to die. Like my stomach hurt. Like I said, my mouth was dry, all that stuff. I woke up and this was all about five minutes from when like I passed out. And when I woke up, I woke up and I felt fine. I had no issues. My stomach was fine. My mouth was completely like, like hydrated. I was ready to go. And it was, yeah. I remember like being like having a vi- like very intense, vivid, almost like a dream while I was, I guess, uh, unconscious. And then like came to, and everybody, like, of course, everybody, I ruined everybody else's trip. I was ready to party, but everybody else was like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> so yeah, that was well, my so, experience. Do you, now, do you know, how much did you take? Now, we weren't measuring it out. I had probably taken, and mind you, it had been a while since we had done them. So I had probably done a little more than an eighth. Um, but these, okay. these are, we'd taken these before, like a year prior, and they were pretty strong. Um, yep. so, so yeah, we, I had probably taken a little over an eighth, but I had just kept munching on them. Plus I think I had read online, I had checked on Reddit and all that stuff about when you, you smoke concentrate and you're taking mushrooms, it can kind of, it can do that to you. So I stopped doing concentrate while I was doing mushrooms just because I was yeah, too okay. much. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like, I feel like the, the dosing, the, the dosage is something I focus so much on. Um, that is really, you know, like if you think about it, if, if, you know, for somebody that's listening that has never taken a psychedelic other than cannabis in the past, say you smoked weed before, imagine, and and say you drank, you drink alcohol every now and then, imagine if the first time you drank alcohol 
in your life, the person that gave it to you gave you a little shot glass, and that shot glass had enough alcohol that it was worth 12 shots of vodka. But it was just one, t- one shot glass, and they said, look, here, have this drink, but drink it all at once. And they didn't tell you what would happen. They just said that's the way, that's the way that alcohol makes you feel. Within an hour, you're, you're going to be, you're not even going to be able to see. You're going to be falling over because you just took 10 shots of vodka in one little sip of, of, of a drink. Same if, if somebody, if the first time you ever smoked marijuana, you were given a brownie with a full ounce of, of marijuana in it, but it was in one brownie, you'd probably never want to smoke weed ever again. Right. And I feel that so many people, myself included, are introduced to psilocybin by, by some random person that they never met before, telling them, here, eat an eighth of mushrooms. And that dose is, I mean, I know now that an eighth is, it's tra- it translates to about three and a half grams of psilocybin. Um, when, when the mushroom is dried, if the mushroom is not dried, now you're talking about a completely different thing, but most people get mushrooms dry, but at three and a half grams of psilocybin is not taking into account body weight, which matters. It's also not taking into account the strain of the mushroom, which matters. You know, there, you know, just like cannabis, there are several different strains of mushrooms. Golden teacher is, uh, is probably the most popular mushroom, but albino penis envy is a completely different looking mushroom altogether and has a different level of psilocybin in the mushroom than, for example, Golden Teacher. Um, and it will make your, your, your trip completely different depending on the strain of mushroom. And then furthermore, you know, three and a half grams or, or you know, again, an eighth of mushrooms might be a good dose if you're looking to have a true psychedelic experience it's not necessarily enough to give you an ego diminishing, depending on, again, depending on your body weight and your experience. The ego diminishing uh, trip or a do- trip dosage is normally around five grams. Um, but you know, I've had I've had a lot of friends and, and colleagues tell me that the first time they took mushrooms was when they went to a concert, and I mean, you know. If you, if you go to Reddit, which, you know, it's kind of a crazy place to think that that's where you're going to get expert advice, but it does work. I agree with you. Most people on Reddit will say that if you're going to ta- uh, take mushrooms before a concert, you don't really want to go over two and a half grams. Really, one gram is a comfortable amount because it allows you to feel the effects of the mushroom while still being able to socialize with people um, that you don't know, exploring new experiences in a really crowded environment. I mean... If you're going to be taking three and a half grams of mushrooms or more, and you really want to explore your consciousness, doing it at a concert probably isn't the best best place to do that. Um, but everybody's different. So my point here is that the dose, I think the biggest difference between my usage today versus my usage in college is that I'm paying special attention to the dose and also paying special attention to how each dose makes me feel before proceeding to the next dose. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I do, I, I completely get what you're saying as far as like, you know, it's going to do something different to, to every person. Like I'm, I'm the type of person that I can take a fistful of mushrooms and go to a party and be, have a great time. But I've, right. I've hung out with people that you, you pop a couple stems, couple caps, 20 minutes, 30 minutes in, they're like, you know what, I'm going to go home and hang out by myself. And you're just like, what? <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's kind of, yeah. it affects, it does affect everybody differently. Um, and I do, you know, if you've never, if you're listening to this podcast and you're trying to learn about, you know, psilocybin mushrooms, I do recommend, you know, starting on the low end and then kind of working your way up. I think the first time I tried it, I took a small amount, but I was, I think I was hammered. I was in college and some dude was selling them. And he was like, yeah. I was like, oh, I got 20 bucks, give me 20 bucks worth. And he just like, gave me a couple little stems and caps. And I, you know, that was my first foray into mushrooms, but, um, yeah, well, and, and, and I feel like, I feel like the, the other thing is learn about it. I mean, you know, if you go to places like arrowwood.org, 
um, or, you know, or Reddit, or, you know, there are so many articles um, and podcasts out there, for example, that provide a lot of information on these substances that can make the, the, the experience a lot better. I mean, you know, I, the, the first time that I took acid was unexpected. I did not know I was going to have the opportunity to do it, but I had very little knowledge about the effects of it, except that it, you know, I, I was told that it's a lot, it's like a, a synthetic version, like a laboratory created version of psilocybin, which, you know, isn't entirely true, but it was what I was told about it. And then I, I when I knew I had the opportunity, I did my research and found that the LD50, the lethal dose for 50% of users, is at 15,000 tabs. So for those that don't, you know, that aren't familiar with LSD, LSD is typically taken in a tab, a little piece of cardboard that is, you know, very small, but it that little piece of cardboard is dipped into a liquid called lysergic acid diethylide, and it's a way by by the cardboard soaking in that liquid. It's a very very accurate way of measuring your dose because cardboard paper can only absorb a certain amount of liquid. So if you just cut the 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 tab to be the correct size, you'll get the exact amount that you know you read about as a standard dose. Well, the LD50, what the, what the government considers the lethal dose for 50%, is 15,000 times that. Furthermore, no one's ever even died taking 15,000 tabs of LSD. There was one case of, person, of a person that did pass away while on LSD, and they had taken 45,000 tabs at once. And even the, the evidence based on what the cause of death was is still a bit inconclusive. So here I was all nervous about taking acid for the first time because the term acid just sounds scary. And then I read up on it and I'm like, I'm taking one tab. There have been people that have taken tens of thousands of these and they haven't, they haven't, you know, gotten sick or died or anything like that. So the same goes with mushrooms. I mean, you know, psilocybin mushrooms, there is, you know, the, 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 the authorities would lead you to believe that there's, there hasn't been enough research, and that's why they can't uh, approve it, or that's why it's still illegal. And they say the same bullshit about marijuana, but, I mean, there is research that's been, that's been published out there, and there's a pretty decent amount of it that suggests that Yes, we don't know all the medicinal purposes behind these compounds, but we certainly know that experimenting with it under super under supervision uh, really shouldn't result in uh, very dangerous situations. Certainly, nowhere near the dangers that come with trying your first cigarette or trying your first sip of alcohol, um, because both of those we all know are typically not under parental supervision because the laws don't allow you to do it until you're 21 years old. And what kid waits till they're 21 to try their first cigarette or their first sip of alcohol if that's something they intend to do? Right. Yeah, it's not. It's typically something that you've already tried and done, and you're going to do it illegally no matter what. Um, exactly. I wanted to pause on, I want to get back to LSD and all that stuff um, in a little bit, but last night... Um, I don't know if you saw or, you know, where you're, wherever you're located, but 60 Minutes did a big story. I think it was Anderson Cooper or some shit uh, about psilocybin mushrooms and psychedelics. And I didn't get a chance to watch it. Um, I it did. Just aired? You did. Watch, did you end up watching it? Yeah, I did. I, I actually I, I believe that they they did. They did one a couple of like about a month ago, too, with that Anderson Cooper. Oh, so this is like an ongoing series. Yeah, yeah. So my my thing about that is 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 now you're starting to see stories pop up, kind of here and there. Like you know, we saw Oregon just or some is it a city in Oregon, Portland or something like that, just decriminalized 
Um, yeah, I, I believe it's it's um, Oakland, Oakland, and uh, and Denver, Colorado, both decriminalized all entheogenic plants, which essentially means any plants that could be used for religious purposes um, have been decriminalized. So do you know much about how that process is going and how that process is working? Um, I mean, what I do know is that it doesn't surprise me that Oakland was one of the first ones, as well as Denver. Um, I mean, Denver, I think, shouldn't come to a come as a surprise to anybody because of the way they've been spearheading uh, cannabis over the years. But Oakland actually has, I believe, the first and maybe even the only still. Uh, I, I, I don't know if, it's, if they're the only city anymore, but they're definitely the first city to have a cannabis um, college. Yeah, Oakland. So right, exactly. So that, uh, that kind of, I, I think gives us some um, some knowledge into why these cities are the two first cities to have done it. Um, but the actual process of putting uh, of getting these these uh, these compounds not only decriminalized but um, in a position to be legal for medicinal purposes or recreational purposes, all I know is that. Um, Denver's decriminalization was based off of a public vote in the 2018 ballot, which was different, I believe, than Oakland. Oakland, I, 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 I believe Oakland's uh, legislature just went ahead and did it, but the people of Denver voted to decriminalize psilocybin mushrooms. And, you know, I, I know that there's other states like, for example, New Jersey, um, they've been trying to, they're legalized for medicinal purposes uh, on cannabis, but they've had a hard time getting cannabis legal uh, pushed through for recreation, and they just opted to put it on the ballot in 2020. So the people will be deciding that as well. So I, I think that's kind of the trend that we're going to see. Um, as, as this happens more and more, the you know the lawmakers are are going to have a hard time getting a majority of pe- of of uh, their colleagues to vote for these things, but once they once they're put in the hands of the people, I think there's enough out there. Like for example, um, you know, sixty minutes that's a huge deal for for Anderson Cooper to be out there talking about this and not talking about it from a, a standpoint of left versus right or right versus left, but more as, you know, the, the, the publications on these compounds are much more focused on medicinal uses um, and kind of dispelling the, the myths behind why these compounds were made illegal in the first place. And once you have, all, once you attain that knowledge, there's really not that many people that I think are stark opposers of mushrooms being legal or illegal because everybody knows somebody that has addiction problems. Everybody knows somebody that has issues with anxiety or depression. And I'm pretty sure everybody knows somebody that has failed with traditional uh, medicines at, at attacking these issues. And for that reason, when, when, publications come out that say that LSD just went through first phase trials towards uh, uh, a potential, uh, an effort towards curing Alzheimer's or MDMA has been approved by the FDA in Israel for PTSD. That gives people hope. Um, And I I can tell you from firsthand experience that that's really, it, it was that those kind of, publications that got me so much more comfortable experimenting with these compounds over the last year. Now, I I said a little bit earlier about how, you know, when I I get the chance, if I can grab a bunch of mushrooms at at a time, I'll grab them just so I can have them and I'll take them occasionally, you know, 
I'll wait a little while, a couple months will go by and I'll take them. And since I've been doing that, I've been doing that for years now. You know, it's not something that I'm like, hey, I'm not going to grab an ounce and I'm going to eat them all in one sitting. But it'll be like I'll do a little bit here, a little bit there. And I've noticed that I've never had any, you know, any issues with any type of depression or anxiety or anything really like that, 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 that. that comes with, you know, kind of living life. Um, but right. I do notice that it's almost like a little mini vacation from yourself, but it also is like mm. a vacation with yourself and you can mm. kind of think about things more clearly. Like there was a time when I wouldn't make any decisions unless I had a little bit of a mushroom trip before, you know, I was going to make that major decision just because, it, you know, it strips your ego down. It lets you really think about things clearly. Um, and I think that, if more people knew the benefits to like the medical benefits to psilocybin rather than just seeing it as like something that, you know, hippies do and it's a party thing and it's something that actually has a benefit. Um, I knew a DJ when I was living in California um, who would talk about his cluster headaches and I had never heard anything yeah. about it. And then he showed us some videos on YouTube about, you know, about cluster headaches. And apparently it's these really bad headaches that you get that um, to the point where, you know, you almost don't want to live anymore. And the only thing that these people seem to have found that helps is, you know, taking mushrooms every couple of months. And he said, you know, I have to do this every couple of months. Otherwise I get these headaches and it's, you know, it's a nightmare to live with. And so he would take what, like a, like an eighth or more just every a, couple just months? Every couple months. Yeah. He would just take like an eighth, like a, just a regular dosage. You would take, you know, an eighth every couple months and it would just, his headaches wouldn't, he wow. wouldn't, he, yeah. And he showed us a do, you know, we didn't, obviously we can't really, he's not, there's no way for him to, to prove or disprove it. So he just pulled up a YouTube video and was like, yeah, check it out. Well, look at this documentary. And the guy in the documentary is talking about how, you know, he did same thing. He crushes them up into the, uh, and puts them in pills and he would take them. Um, but the guy in the documentary had a, a really like bad way of looking at it he he would take them and he would sit in a dark room he'd just be like i hate this i can't stand doing it and it's like well yeah man you're in the wrong place you're in a dark room like go outside i can see the sunlight coming right through your window just stand like two more feet outside and you'll be good and uh Uh but yeah so that was just kind of interesting but yeah just a little bit of mushrooms and that it 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 completely makes that incredible i feel like that's incredible because if if anybody were to tell you, look, I have a magic pill that's going to make your headaches go away, and you say, okay, so what do I have to take it once in the morning, once at the night? And you're like, nope. Okay, just once once every day? Nope. And then how often? Once every quarter. Like, what? Right. Can you imagine that? And if you do them right, you're going to have a blast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, I, I mean, and, and I think that it's, Sometimes I, I am reluctant to speculate on that kind of thing because you never know how much it could, um, you know, we're going to learn so much about these, these compounds over the next 10 years. I, I think over the next 10 years, we are 100% going to know the right dose for every situation. Um, there's going to be medicinal approvals in every state. I, 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 I'm not sure if you know this, maybe you do, but believe it or not, the United States is actually one of the more lenient um, countries when it comes to psilocybin. What do you when mean you by compare, that? Well, when you compare the laws around the world, the vast majority of countries, it's illegal across the board. There's a handful of countries that it is legal, like uh, Jamaica, um, uh, the Netherlands, that's where Amsterdam is, um, and uh, I want to say Brazil is uh, is also legal there. But then you have like 11 countries that allow that psilocybin mushrooms are a Schedule One drug, but owning the spores and purchasing grow kits is legal. Hmm. And the United States is one of those countries. So you can... You can go... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. 
No, I was going to say, so you can you can purchase all this stuff to grow your own uh, mushrooms here in the U.S., but, you, but once you grow them, you're not supposed to keep them? Is that... That's, that's the, it, it's exactly it. So the, the, you can go online and buy a, a, a grow kit from, there's a company called Midwest Grow Kits. Um, they will sell you every single thing that you need in order to, to begin growing your own psilocybin mushrooms, but it, but they also sell mushroom spores from all different types of, uh, uh, of strains. So, you know, but, but I mean, again, there are a lot of different strains of psilocybin mushrooms. Um, but then you got countries like Austria, Canada, Costa Rica, uh, Mexico, the U S Thailand, uh, Spain, all of these, are they they have it's illegal to have the the actual uh mushrooms but it is not illegal to or it's it's decriminalized to have psilocybin creation kits so you know i i think that's that's something that we can at least um you know, cross our fingers about because marijuana was before, before this most recent wave, I mean, any single thing that was related to cannabis was a no, no in the United States, but psilocybin is, it's almost like halfway there. Uh, you know, all, all we need is a, is a little bit of legislation and, uh, you know, some, some, breakthrough therapy uh, approvals on the psychiatric side. And I think we're going to be in business. And like you said, you know, there, there already are things out there that are showing people have very strong benefits from using psilocybin just a couple times a year or once a year. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of people are nervous about the, the pharmaceutical community not really being behind that because, you know, where's the money in uh, a drug that you only need to take one time or, you know, once a year or once a quarter. Oh, those fuckers will find a way to synthesize that shit. (laughs) Yeah. Well, well, you're absolutely right. But here's, here's another perspective that I don't think people think about it. The pharmaceutical companies are huge influence, but guess who else is? the medical insurance companies mm. and medical insurance companies are, are losing the battle when they are, they're trying to ensure that their patients, if their patients need medical treatment, that, that, that they're planning the risk and the, the, the risk involved with insuring that person properly. So where the, medi- where the pharmaceutical companies want everybody to be sick because they want everybody to take their medications, the medical insurance companies want everybody to be healthy because then they'll still collect medical insurance premiums, but they won't have to pay any claims from themselves. You know, I mean, the best insurance customer is somebody that pays their premium and never submits a claim. Right. So, uh, so I, I think there's hope there because the insurance company, the, the insurance industry is a massive industry. There's a reason why, uh, wasn't it hepatitis C? Hepatitis C, they now have a cure for. And the pharmaceutical companies have commercials all over about the new hepatitis C cure. Well, I mean, it would have definitely been a lot more profitable for these, these pharmaceutical companies to just keep prescribing medication to treat hepatitis C. But there is a, there, there is a, a, a place for, for, you know, in this example, a cure to come in, eliminate old drugs, but there's, but still provide some sort of profit margins to both the pharmaceutical industry as well as the insurance industry. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. Now, where do you, so we see what we've seen with cannabis legalization, kind of how it's gone. You know, it starts off medical and then slowly becomes recreational. Um, at least that's how it's worked in the, the weed legal states that I've lived in. Um, how yeah. do you see legalization happening with something like psilocybin? Do you see them starting with like a medical facility? Do you see them having guided trips with like a, you know, a nurse who's also a Sherpa or what do you, ideally, what do you see them doing as far as the, you know, legalization in a perfect world would go? I, you know, I, I feel like the medical marijuana um, industry is probably the best, best, best place to look if we're trying to look in the future there. I mean, the fact that Tim Ferriss, just opened up the first of its kind in Baltimore, um, the Johns Hopkins Center for Psychedelic Research. Uh, you know, you got to think that that's a huge step towards legalization. But I also think that, you know, if the research is going to be done by scientists in a facility that has Johns Hopkins name on it, the I just feel like every each step forward beyond that is going to involve somebody wearing a lab coat. I mean, you know, if you go into a medical marijuana facility um, in a medicinally legal state, everybody, all of the all of the people that you consult with are typically certified in some way, shape, or form. It's they that you know, yes. Having, you know, history would tell us that a shaman or someone with a little bit more of a spiritual background might be the best person to to guide a newcomer through this. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I think that we're, we're, our society is a little bit ways away from, from believing that from believing as a community that shamanic and religious uh, uh, practice is the best way to approach medicine. And I would even say, my, you know, from my own standpoint, like, you know, I'm not a really strong believer in, um, in you know, the traditional religions that I was raised on. I mean, I was raised, like many people in America, uh, Christian, um, Catholic, and... I'm not. Uh, I'm definitely not an atheist, but I'm also not a uh, uh, you know strong believer of Catholicism. But I also don't necessarily know if I would say because I am interested in psychedelics and because I truly do feel that I've seen a different dimension when I took DMT and I believe it exists. I don't think that. Uh, shamanic practices offer any more validity than traditional religion. And for that reason, I, I think that if a country is going to make this, these substances legal, they need to just stay with the science and, and, you know, you know, keep their head down with everything scientific, uh, uh, or every, every piece of scientific data that they have. And, you know, allow people to interpret the scientific data however they want, whether that is within a religious practice or a shamanic practice, but definitely not. It, I don't, I don't think it should be promoted from shamanic or religious um, perspectives. Now, do you think that the biggest hurdle that there, that, you know, the psychedelic community faces when with legalization is the perception of psychedelics that so many people have i mean for a long time when i was growing up you know there would be there's like you know urban legends that if you took mushrooms you would peel your skin like a fucking orange or something um (laughs) so so i think like do you think that that's the biggest hurdle is that that we've been so it's so ingrained in our culture that you know mushrooms and lsd is bad and and um you know, it's something that burnouts and degenerates do, or do you think that, um, you know, the, the problem or the, the hurdles lie elsewhere? I, I personally think that 
the users of of psychedelics sometimes are their worst the the community's worst enemy because you know nobody wants to get advice from a burnout nobody wants to get advice from someone that you know can be perceived as a hippie and i think that i think that some of the the best advocates to moving the, the legalization of psychedelics closer towards legalization um, has really been the thought leaders that have come out about it. I mean, you know, you have people like Tim Ferriss, who is, you know, the guy, the guy's got a New York times bestseller called the four hour work week. And he is, uh, you know, he's worth over a hundred million dollars. Um, you got even people like Joe Rogan, who, although he's a comedian, he speaks intellectually about this stuff. And he, he also will advocate psychedelics while disparaging the users of more addictive substances like cocaine, crack cocaine, or heroin. Um, so I think I think what we need to do as a community to really move this along is be responsible with our with our use of these substances. Now, yeah, you know, like somebody that's never done it before would say there's nothing might say there's nothing responsible about taking uh, an illegal drug, um, but I mean, I, I guess there is some validity to that. But I think it's certainly a lot more responsible to experiment with something after doing research and being able to answer all the questions that you have or somebody else might have before you do it. Um, and, you know, if, if we could all do that, then the conversations that we have will, will just be from a much, a much uh, more confident place and, the, the naysayers, the folks that really are, are uncomfortable with it just because they're unknowledgeable and they, they have those same stigmatic uh, uh, thoughts behind what psilocybin does, the way that you and I probably did when we were growing up and, and didn't know any better about it, those, those rumors will be dispelled one at a time. And I, I think you probably noticed it yourself that it's a lot easier to go to a formal business event and run into somebody that is an avid psychedelic user, and you'll look at them, they might be wearing a, a, a full suit and be worth, you know, be, be earning a, a strong income, be very family-oriented, and, and look from head to toe like the opposite of what the stereotypical 60s Woodstock hippie was that was taking mushrooms or LSD. Um, and I, I, think, I think that's where we need to go. We need more people from all walks of life to be educated on this and that'll, that'll move things forward quicker. Yeah. People think I'm nuts when I tell them that I quit smoking like two years ago. I had smoked cigarettes for years at that point. Um, and I had taken a mushroom trip. I think that was the same trip that I had died allegedly where I, you know, had had that like pass out experience where I went out and came back in. Um, but that day I remember specifically like smoking a cigarette, looking at it and thinking like, I don't, I don't really need these. It doesn't do anything for me when I smoke them. Like the only, you know, I like the social aspect, but like other than that, it yeah. doesn't really do anything for me. So what I started doing after that was I would just go out when people would have a cigarette and not have a cigarette. And I quit smoking within like a couple weeks of that. I think it was like new year's was right around the corner. So I quit smoking cigarettes. That was two, a little over two years ago now. I didn't, haven't had wow. a, a single cigarette. I didn't do any like chantics. I didn't do anything like that. I haven't had any type of cravings or anything like that. And people think I'm nuts when I'm like, yeah, I took mushrooms. And I was like, oh, I probably should stop, should quit smoking. And that's, that's amazing. And it's like, and that was, I remember that experience vividly. And that's like the moment that I, I remember as being like, I'm going to be done with cigarettes. So I know that they have a lot of 
um, good qualities. Now, do you think with legalization, it would be a blanket legalization of LSD, DMT, mushrooms, all that stuff? Or do you see them just being, let's start with mushrooms and then kind of go from there? I, I feel like mushrooms probably first, um, just because it already has some legs. Um, I think MDMA might beat it, though. Yeah. I think MDMA will probably beat psychedelic, uh, psilocybin mushrooms. And, I, you know, I really don't know the future of DMT. I mean, the, I, I heard, uh, I think his name's Andrew Galloway, or, or um, I, I'm messing up the name, but there, there is a, a gentleman that is launching a DMT exploration um, project where they've, they, they've tried, they believe they have found a way to put a person intravenously into the DMT state, the, you know, the realm for longer than the traditional, you know, 15 minutes. Um, and keep them there for for a steady period of time through like a steady drip, hmm. and they're they're taking volunteers to go into the realm and kind of report back what they see. Um, I mean, I don't know how you get on that list. Um, I personally don't know if I would even want to be on that list. I mean, I, I, have you have you experimented with with DMT? I actually have not. No, I, I'm not opposed to it. It's it's on my list of you know my short list of of things left that I still want to to dabble with and try. Very hard um, to find. It is. Yeah, that's been part of the problem. Um, I attend a hippie festival, um, like once a year, and usually you can find it when you go there. Um, but I I just yeah I haven't gone down. I think probably in the next year I'll I'll try it, but. I have not yet. No. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's um. You know. It, you know. When when if you do it and you wind up having a podcast on that, let me know. I'll, I'll I, I'd love to chat about that. But I think that um. Yeah. Psilocybin is. Uh, I I think. I I I think it's the next psychedelic to be. Uh, legalized. I think MDMA. Will beat it there, but I don't really consider MDMA a psychedelic. Uh, you know, sometimes it's thrown into the same fray. But I mean, um, for anyone that's ever taken MDMA, I mean, the the effects are. I mean, I, I don't know. I've never seen any hallucinogenic type of effects from MDMA. Um, you know, it certainly makes you feel different. I've had like um, tracers and stuff, but yeah, nothing like nothing. Now, if I've taken I've taken Molly and. Um, LSD at the same time that 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 compared to just doing the LSD by itself is a completely different experience. Um, wow! I had taken the first time it was a lot more mellow. I take took I've only taken acid a couple times, but the first time I had taken it was a lot more mellow. And the time that I had taken it on Molly, I was out of my mind. I like blew my back out that night and didn't even feel it until the next day. I woke up, I was just completely wrecked because I had ran all over the place. Um, Holy shit. Just, I was just on one, like having a great time, having a blast. Um, but just yeah. a little bit of Molly just kicked me and like launched me into the atmosphere and I was just a nightmare to be around. <laughs> Not for like the, you know, just I, because I was a, a tornado. I was just, you know, yeah. people trying to keep up with me. I'm like sweating and yeah, it wasn't good. But it was yeah, fun. I, had I a lot of fun. That. I could imagine that. That must have been pretty awesome. So, but, that, but see, that's the other thing. Like you know, I think people should also, you know, any listeners here, if you're going to try any of these things, it's it's one thing trying two substances at once when you're experienced. Right. But if you're inexperienced. Don't pick the drunk night that you smoked weed and you're kind of just like wandering around. At, don't pick that night to to eat mushrooms for the first time or take LSD for the first time. Really try to try to set aside a day to do these on their own and 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 make sure you have a sitter, somebody that you trust is going to be there with you. Maybe if they if they're going to try the compound with you, make sure that they did it too. Don't, you know, don't think that you have a sitter if you and your buddy 
never tried mushrooms before and you're both trying it for the first time together. That's not a sitter. That means that you're, that's the blind leading the blind. You, you know, it, you, I would say if you're going to have uh, a sitter that, that hasn't done mushrooms before, make sure they're not doing mushrooms while you're trying it. At least so that you in your own state of mind can say, okay, well, I, I know that if God forbid something were to happen, which nothing will happen, but, but in your head, if you're saying, God forbid, if something bad happens, I have a sober person with me that could, you know, drive me somewhere, that'll take care of me, that'll go get a glass of water for me if that's going to help, whatever it is. Um, but that, the, you know, sometimes we take for granted the terms that we use that we, that we know all the time, but the terms set and setting are very important to know as you ex- uh, experiment with psychedelics. The set being what, what kind of mental baggage are you bringing into the trip? And the setting being, where, what physical setting are you about to do this trip? If, if you're a little nervous about trying psilocybin for the first time, that's your set. Now, it might just be a little nervous, but if you combine that with you're going through a divorce, you just recently lost your job, or you had a big fight with your significant other, that might not be the best time to go into your first trip. Now, granted, some people might say, no, that's the best time to go into your first trip because you want to learn from, from, from that situation, and maybe it'll help you when you come back. That's true. That could be true. But just know that if you have a lot of bad baggage mentally going into the trip, you're probably going to be thinking about that during the trip. So, you know, it might not be fun. Maybe, uh, maybe an unfun trip is the best thing for you at the time, but you're bringing that in. And then the setting being, you know, if you're, if you're home safe in your house, that's a great thing. You're probably going to feel safe throughout the trip. But, you know, if you're going to work that day and you just took four grams of psilocybin that morning, you're probably not going to have a good time <laughs> or, you know, or even doing it at a party around people that you don't know that could, that could bring on a really, a really bad experience for somebody that is, you know, is inexperienced with it. Yeah. I'm, that makes sense. Yeah. I'm a moron. I did it like on Halloween one year. I was like, yeah, this will be fun uh-huh. at a Halloween party. I had a blast, but that's just because I'm a weirdo. I'm like, I, I don't know. I've had one or two like really challenging trips, I feel like, in my life that, that really like freaked me out. But it, it was nothing that I couldn't push through. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm a weirdo with that stuff. I did want to mention, too, that the other thing people don't realize when you're, you're messing with psychedelics is that it's also an auditory experience. And so... Totally. People don't really realize that. And, you know, I've had friends and stuff before where I'll put playlists together with certain music and they'll, they'll you know, they'll be really feeling the music. And I'm like, I never really realized that this was an auditory thing as well. Um, I learned that pretty quickly on one of the, the bad trips that I had. I had made a, a mixtape of music I thought I would want to listen to. And I'm a big hip hop guy. I love like, you know, hardcore gangster rap. I love all that shit. So I had made a playlist of like, you know, harder hip hop songs to kind of get you your energy going. And I thought that for some reason that would be what I would want to listen to while I was high on mushrooms. It turns yeah. out that not the case. So that contributed a little bit more to my, my trip going South, um, switched it up and put right. on, I think I threw on Kanye West graduation album and that album saved me from my bad trip, but you definitely have awesome. to get, get your, your audio as well as your visual in order too, when you're going to have a, a trip because it can affect you. Um, cause you're going to be Absolutely. hearing a lot of shit that you, that isn't there. You're going to be hearing a lot of shit that, you know, you think you're hearing it. It's, it's, it's a trip for a reason, you know? So, yeah, that's for sure. That's my two cents. Um, so we're getting close to about an hour. That's been pretty quick. Um, I definitely want to wow, have you back crazy. on again. We'll talk more about uh, mushrooms. But do you have any stories you want to finish up on? I always like to give people the opportunity to tell a story, maybe of like a fun time you had tripping or maybe a wild story that you had while you were tripping. Um, on psilocybin? Sure, yeah. So, you know, 
I will say that um, uh, you know what? I'll go. I'll go with a different experience. Um, so my psilocybin. Everybody's heard of a ton of different, um, you know, large trip experiences. Whether it's on psilocybin, LSD, um, you know, DMT. I think that there's not enough people out there talking about what it feels like or could potentially feel like to microdose. Um, microdosing psilocybin is, is, you know, typically agreed upon as less than half of one gram, um, it, uh, you know, as your dose. So, you know, call it 0.4 grams. Um, I... I did uh, I did some microdoses actually only last week for the first time in my life, and I was so surprised at how it made me feel. It, it was, you know, the 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 amount that you're taking is so small, but it is very profound. Have, are you familiar with the, when you take psilocybin the the onset of the psilocybin typically comes with a little bit of butterflies that, that kind of hit you right in the middle of the stomach, yeah. at the top of the stomach. You know what I'm talking about? Exactly, yeah. So my, my microdose, about 45 minutes in, there was a tiny feeling of, of butterflies right in the pit of my stomach but it never really got to the point where my stomach was unsettled. It was more of just a feeling of excitement. And that feeling of excitement lasted the entire day. I wound up taking it in the morning. Uh, I had work the first half of the day. So I, I took a couple of phone calls. I responded to a bunch of emails. I was very productive. I was super interested in everything that everybody was saying, but, but not too philosophical to just listen and not be able to respond. I was able to give a lot of really good feedback just as if I hadn't taken anything. But what I can say in terms of where it, where it impacted me, um, uh, you know, where, where it changed the, the outcome of my day was, there really wasn't a single thing that came across my desk or was put in front of me that wasn't able to just roll off, roll off my shoulder. It was a really interesting experience and almost the kind of experience where if psilocybin didn't have such a, you know, if our bodies didn't have such a tolerance to psilocybin, I could see someone taking small doses of, you know, microdoses of psilocybin uh, you know, every day for anxiety. Um, but I actually did the microdose two days in a row. And the second day I already saw a difference. Like my body didn't react to it very well, or I, I should say it almost didn't react to it at all. Um, but the first day was fantastic. So I, you know, I know that's sort of boring. Um, and I, I sort of, I think that if you're looking for a crazy trip experience, um, I'd love to come back and tell you about my experiences on dimethyltryptamine because that's where, you know, I would say there hasn't been a single other compound, LSD, psilocybin um, uh, included, that has really completely broken the entire, uh, you know, sense of reality the way DMT did. Um, but I think that from a level of significance, microdosing is something that people should be really interested in. Even if you are just looking at it for, for recreational purposes, try out the microdoses because they are fun. Um, and I think that it'll also give you a new appreciation for the potential medicinal purposes that could be, you know, right, right, right down the pipe for us in, uh, in the next few years. Now, I, real quick, I just want to ask you, so with the microdosing, how does that work as far as like if you're going to be um, 
if you're going to be microdosing, wouldn't that like wear off the next day? Like, I don't understand how you, if you could take it each day without it affecting your tolerance, like you said. No, yeah, it did. So I took it the first day; it felt great. But the, the second day I took it, it almost it's almost as if I didn't even do it. Now, is that the same? Because so, I know people microdose like LSD. Is that the same for microdosing with LSD? Does it have the same kind of like tolerance effect? I believe so. Yeah, I believe I believe the only the only psychedelic that doesn't have uh, that our bodies don't have a tolerance to at all is DMT. Oh, you could okay. take DMT like now. And then 45 minutes later, do it again, the same exact dose, and you're, you will respond as if you never took it once in your life. Is that because you, like your body makes it? That's exactly That's it, why. yeah. Gotcha. Well, yeah, we'll definitely have to have you come on for, for that. I, um, maybe we'll do it after I finally get my ass in gear and try it. Um, well, Dimitri, thank you very much for coming on. I'm really glad that we did this. Um, I will let you know this will probably air like next week at some point. Um, but yeah, I'll jump okay. off the call and I'll, I'll get back to you where we were chatting and, um, kind of let you know the details. Uh, thank you again yeah, for well, coming on. Do you have anything that you want to plug or anything like that? Any blogs or anything that you want to talk about or no, you, no, but you know what? I, I might be, uh, I might be doing a podcast of my own. And at that point I will, uh, I'll go from being, a, an, an anonymous voice to, uh, uh, a voice that everyone can recognize. But um, for now, uh, thanks a lot for having me on, and we'll be in touch. Yeah, and if you get that podcast up and running, let me know, and we'll we'll definitely get together and do something else again. Awesome. Sounds good, man. All right, man. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of the podcast. Um, I'm glad that you guys have been enjoying the show. If you have been digging it, make sure that you subscribe, rate, review, Share the show. Uh, go to ADBDpodcast.com. I have all the tools you need to tell all your friends about this show. Um, like I said, I'm hoping that everybody's kicking their New Year's off right. Um, I figured I'd give you a fun episode to kind of learn some stuff if you didn't know about um, psilocybin. And then coming up next week, I believe we're going to be talking about uh, comic books, but don't hold me to that just because, like I said, I'm, I'm recording this in advance because I'm going on vacation. So I'm just trying to get all my ducks in a row before I'm, you know, flying across the country. So um, hope that everybody's New Year's went off without a hitch. And I'm looking forward to another year of podcasting with you guys. So yeah, um, thanks again for tuning in. I'll talk to you next week.